Good afternoon, good afternoon. Hello, you are locked into Revive FM 94.0 on the Power Hour with Louise Power. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship and inspirational stories. And today I am extremely excited. I've got two beautiful, wonderful women here today. One is my cousin, Miss Lorianne Power. She is, um, and her sister-in-law, Emma Kouw-Dikay. Both of these women are criminal barristers and have residence at 25 Bedford Row, which is one of the country's leading set of criminal defence chambers. And both women are ranked legal 500 and, and, and chambers at the chambers, at chambers and partners. Is that right? Yeah. You're both ranked legal 500 and chambers and partners. And that is a directory that ranks the best lawyers in the country. So aren't I lucky that they are here today? Thank you for joining me. You're absolutely Absolute pleasure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I'm just so glad to have you here today. Um, obviously, Lorianne's my cousin. Emma, we've known each other for a while as well. We have. Um, been to a few events. And I'm just really honoured to have you here today. I think you're both exceptional and very, very inspirational. Would you start off by introducing yourself and a little, little bit about your, 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 your background and where you're from? Emma Akudike is who I am. I'm a barrister. I've been in practice at 25 Bedford Row now for 27 years. Um, my specialism is criminal defence work. Um, I was born in the East London area. I was raised in the East London area, I schooled in the East London area, and I still live in the East London area. Um, my parents came over to this country in the 60s, and um, I did my degree at the Polytechnic of Central London. Um, thereafter, I did the bar vocational course, and then did my pupillage, which is like training, essentially, in a civil set of chambers. I also then went on to the chambers where I am and I've been in practice ever since. Well, that is awesome. Did you always know that you wanted to be... Well, born to Nigerian parents, there were only a few careers that mattered. <laughs> it was, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. So and it was already, it was paved out for you absolutely, already. Absolutely, it was mapped out for me. Thank I, you. I think if I'm being really honest, I wanted to be an actress, but my parents always said, you can perform in court and get paid. <laughs> we'll come back to that one a little bit later. And what about yourself, Lorianne? Well, I am obviously your big cousin. Um, I'm a barrister as well. I've been a barrister for... Um, nearly 21 years and um, strange Emma and I are sitting here because when I joined the profession there were very few black women barristers Emma was one of the ones I'd heard about um, she had a reputation even back then of being quite scary <laughs> um, quite formidable and really very good so it's a real pleasure for me to sit here 20 years down the line as her sister-in-law um, so it it's just shows you what dedication and perseverance can achieve I too specialise in criminal defence work um, our practice is both jointly uh, really involve serious criminal work like um, murder, terrorism, sexual offences and high level drug offences. So we deal, once you get to our stage um, in, in the criminal justice system, you're really dealing with pretty heavyweight stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of came through the conventional route. I went to school in East London, same as Emma, grew, born, raised, still live 
very close to East London, mm-hmm. my roots where, where I grew up. So I'm very proud to be an East Londoner and I feel a great sense of affection. Um, but also it's important to give back to the communities that we've Absolutely. benefited yeah. from. And I'm so proud because I'm, I'm an East Londoner and we've got three East Londoners <laughs> in the house today, three black women. So I think that, you know, it's something to be really proud of. And it's uncanny actually, isn't it, that Emma said that she was going to be an actress because that was... Absolutely, <laughs> I haven't really resolved that. But we're Louise probably all, I, yeah, we're all frustrated. We're all Actresses, yeah. <laughs> Louise and I used to go to Stratford Theatre Royal Drama School every Saturday. Yeah, amazing. Um, Until yeah, I got yeah. stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that, yeah. Um, so, ladies, I really wanted to talk to you about. I know that you're both mothers as well, aren't you? Yeah, yes, as well. We so, how how are things balancing motherhood and you know a successful career as a barrister? How do you get? To, how do you balance it all? It's not easy, Louise. If I'm being really honest, um, there's times when you struggle with it actually um there are times when i've missed those very important events to do with my children's school um if you're going to have a successful career and juggle parenting usually something has to give yeah um sometimes you can't have it all especially when you're a woman in this profession but i do my best and the way i now work is I get up very early in the mornings at about five o'clock. I try not to work in the evenings in the way that I once did because family life just gives you those checks and balances that you need. There's times when you've got to stop. I'm unapologetic about the fact that I have children and I'm quick to let judges know that if there's a childcare issue, yeah, my children are my priority. There are times when we clock watch We usually sit till 4, 4.30, and there's that feeling of, oh my goodness, I'm in this court, um, far away from home, far away from school, am I going to get them in time? Um, I also give a lot of credit to my husband. I'm very fortunate that I have a very supportive husband who shares the childcare duties with me, and so when I am struggling, he's there to assist. And I also try and make sure that my practice is pretty much in London and as close to the school as possible. Yeah, it's, that's the thing, isn't it, about be having a really, really busy career. People don't realise how much sacrifice you actually have to make and how impacting that is as well. Absolutely. And what about yourself, Lorianne? I've kind of had two different experiences as a mother because I was a very young mother. I got pregnant very soon after leaving school. So I was on this you know, road to becoming a lawyer and doing my first year of my A-levels, I fell pregnant at 18. And so, um, a very challenging time. And so, I had to call on, pull on all the resources and the support that I could muster up. But um, I spent a lot of time away from my daughter, who's now 25. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a woman, I thought that it was more important for her to see her mum out there, you know, doing what she needed to do to support everyone. Um... And so I spent a lot of time away from her. Now, I wish I could get some of that time back, but actually she's benefit. She herself is very independent, very strong-minded, very strong-willed. But as Emma rightly says, once the time is gone, it's gone. My son now is nine, and I'm a very different mother because I prioritise um, his needs over and above everything else where I can I can't always do it yeah. so sometimes you have to be out of London you know, last year I spent six months in Nottingham so I really I didn't see him for six whole months, months. you know and so it's about checks and balances you need to be organised Yeah. you need to um, appreciate as Emma said something's got to give but actually the rewards really do outweigh yeah and mm-hmm. you know kudos to you because being a really 
young mum and then still deciding to go into the career that you did is really commendable because you, you could have decided actually do you know what how am I going to actually be able to balance this I'm a young mum I've got a young child and I'm still going to persevere in in my career had was there any contingencies or anything that you put in place for yourself to be able to keep that keep into keep you know keep keep that vision so to I speak did, I didn't have a plan B I had right. one plan and it was that or die. Wow. And so wow. It was, that was always my... And, you know, I, know, I appreciate that not everyone can kind of form that, that maturity or that mindset yeah. at a very young age. But when you're pregnant with a baby and you, then you have a baby at 18 and, you know, yeah. you, you've got one choice, really. You've got to succeed Seed. for your child. Yeah. And so that, I didn't have a plan B. My plan A was I'm going to be a barrister and that was it. And I, and I think as well, I remember you saying something about um, your grandfather saying... Yeah. encouraging you what was that again well that was the seed that you know because I, I always knew that you know I was I had a, I had something to say um, I went to a school literally just around the corner where people who had something to say were shut down very quickly I was excluded from school seven times and so when my granddad said to me when I was chatting away you know you you talk so much you're going to be a lawyer I, I kind of it was a seed that was planted and from then it just grew what was a lawyer what's a, a lawyer and then I would go around saying to everyone I'm going to be a lawyer I'm going to be a lawyer I didn't actually know what it was, was. but eventually when I realised that actually I am a lawyer and a lawyer is me and that's, and that's why it's really important to plant those seeds in the children from a young, very young age yeah I think that kind of leads me to go on to speak about that actually we was going to we, we briefly spoke about it when we were talking about coming on the show didn't we how important it is to think about young people's talents and to recognize that because sometimes those children have you know to have those talents from a very young age like your grandfather recognized in you but then if it's not cultivated then those talents can quickly be forgotten or you know and then people later on in life may think oh actually do you know what i wish i'd i'd done that so what what, what do you think about in terms of um, the fact that you know you have so many young people coming into the judicial system who are extremely talented and have got so much going for them and sometimes don't you just think what no what what wasted talent what isn't it isn't it just sad when you come across these young people in court that you know have got so much ambition and so much could be going for them absolutely and I often mentor these children if it leads to a conviction and they are sitting in a cell after a trial, I make it my business to mentor them and to let them know that there is hope, that they have talents, they have a gift, and they really ought to use them um, in a positive way. Um, even when people have been convicted, I usually tell them that it's not the end of the road. Yeah. Um, they've been given an opportunity and a chance to grow and develop into something fantastic. I tell them about the M Nelson Mandela stories. He was imprisoned and look what he became. Malcolm yes. X, look what he became. Wow. Muhammad Ali. And for those that are acquitted, I usually say to them, you've been given a second chance. Now wow. you get out there and use the talents that you've got. Very important to nurture them. And it's very often that nobody has told them yes. how wonderful and gifted they are. that they are. And that they are... They can be anything that they want to be. Nobody's actually told them that and they need to hear it. Yeah. And sometimes as well, I, I presume you see people coming back time and time 
again and you have those conversations and you mentor them and it must be a little bit frustrating because you think oh my goodness there's so much that you could be doing is is there have you ever have you got an example where that mentoring has been effective and you've seen that person go away and turn their life around from that experience either being sentenced or through something that you've been able to shine a light on on them about i i uh, i have as a, a it's a really important point, Louise, because as many people as we see come through the criminal justice system time and time again, there are more people who come in once and that's it. That's their wow. short, sharp shock. And they go out. We have to remember, you know, as young, particularly young black males. Just sorry, Mike. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, as young black males. Um, yeah. They are disproportionately represented. Yeah. But also the image, the, the stereotype that's portrayed of them doesn't actually fit what really occurs. So yes, young black males are, um, they go through the criminal justice system at a higher rate for a number of different reasons. We could sit here all day and argue. But there are huge success stories of young men coming out, going on one client I had, going back... Um, 15 years and he received a, f- a 15 year sentence um, I mean, yeah. so we probably go back 17 years he yeah. received a 15 year sentence and he came out of prison about 3 years ago on day release and I got this phone call into chambers and they said oh can um, we join this connect this person to you and I said it doesn't sound right He's, and I remember this client anyway so he, he first of all said I, I've been waiting to make this phone call for 15 years I just want to thank you wow. I want to tell you that I did everything that you told me to do so whilst he was in prison he managed to get himself educated he got on all of the courses and then he came back out and he set up his own charity that charity now is doing amazingly well and they he, this charity mentors boys just like him who serve sentences and come out and try to keep them on straight and narrow so yeah there are success stories as well as failures these are the stories that you know we need to hear there's so much negativity in the press isn't there um especially towards our young black men about you know what they're going through and i think there are success stories there are people that turn life around and actually these young people are disenfranchised from the community you know before they even start their little lives sometimes and i'm sure you'll probably say that some of these young people that come into court don't even have the support of their parents at times some of them don't turn up with parents do they you're absolutely right louise it is heartbreaking and as laurianne touched on we do very serious crime um in, in terms of our clients and who we represent and you just look up into the public gallery at the old bailey which is the most serious criminal court in the land and no one's there no one's there yeah who's come with you today nobody do you have an appropriate adult which is somebody a a, a responsible adult that needs to be accompanying them to court there's no one there it is heartbreaking representation is also really important this is why i think one of the the important messages that emma and i like to spread when we speak to people is that Uh, it makes a huge difference to a young person to see someone in that courtroom on the side that looks like them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That that understands their language, that can empathise with them. Um, Because it doesn't mean that, you know, they've not done something bad or they've not done something wrong. We're not there to excuse their behaviour, but we're there to make the process for them easy enough so that they know you know what actually i've listened i'm not going to come back here again yeah Yeah. i I think i think what would be quite important to ask now is 
What is a barrister? If somebody was listening to this show and they thinking, wow, this sounds extraordinary. I want to do this job. What would you tell them? If, if you can explain to somebody, what does a barrister actually do? Shall I do the lawyer part and you do the advocacy part? Okay, All absolutely right. fine. <laughs> you go ahead. Right, so essentially we're, we're lawyers. Mm-hmm. So we're qualified lawyers. Our specialism is in advocacy, essentially. So we are advocates. Um, we go to court and we present our clients' cases on their behalf. So the lawyer side of it is that barristers sometimes specialise in particular areas which means that you have quite a sound and kind of well-developed understanding and knowledge of a particular area of law right so we are then um, instructed by a solicitor so people would have heard of solicitors a solicitor will say I want that barrister who's good at that to do this kind of case right it might be because a barrister has a sound understanding of the m- murder for example and you would have to present legal arguments, draft documents, present arguments to the court, to the judge, advise your client on the law. Do they have a defence? Don't they? So that's the lawyer side of it. And we can do all of that without actually going to court. So there's the advocacy side of it, which Emma's going to explain. Yeah, um, it's important to make the distinction that we are jury advocates. We are criminal defence practitioners. And so a barrister could actually represent the Crown as in the prosecution or the defence or you can get a barrister that works in a completely different area of law um, such as commercial, uh, employment, drafting contracts uh, which may not necessarily always involve going into court. You can even get employed barristers for example those that work within local government um, or in-house. In terms of advocacy our job is to persuade. It's to persuade uh, the jury Mm -hmm. who are 12 people from across section of society and who are our audience and we've got to persuade them um, as defence lawyers to reach the right verdict uh, preferably a not guilty verdict <laughs> um, <laughs> always a not guilty verdict um, and so that's what we do um, no two days are ever the same I can imagine <laughs> um, we could be uh, in court um, the case collapses or it gets adjourned we could end up going from court into a prison to advise your client uh, in terms of the evidence. You could be in the Court of Appeal, which is the court that you would go to once there's been a conviction and you may wish to argue against the conviction being unsafe or even argue against the sentence being too long and wanting to reduce the sentence. So... You could be doing a bail application, trying to get your client out on bail. You could be doing a sentence. Wow. It's very, very varied. varied. There's also a kind of a social work element to it as well, because we've spoken about the vulnerabilities of the people that we represent by virtue of them being in court. So sometimes you have to identify very early on whether or not this is someone who may have some mental health problems. Right. Whether or not this is someone who may have been the victim of trafficking. It's very multifaceted, isn't it? Whether or not this is someone who is being put under pressure duress so we have to look at their personalities we have to kind of make these judgment calls without really knowing the person Mm. but things like mental health is a prime one you know drug-induced psychosis um duress so these are things that we also have to look out and then we have to contact the relevant uh, we have to instruct our solicitors to contact yep. signposting the relevant agencies to make sure that this person is fairly treated throughout the trial process because we have to ensure as as officers of the court that a fair trial is had um, and well, just picking up on I'm just that. going to I'm just I'm just going to um go into commercial break yeah. 
cool. Yeah. <laughs> and this is so interesting. I'm like, my, my jaw is on the floor. Do not touch that dial. You are locked into the power hour with sisters in law. We'll be right back with you. <laughs> If you're looking for a unique bespoke cake made especially for your big day, then look no further. Here at Sugar Sprinkle Cakery, we design some of the most imaginative and delicious home-baked cakes for your special occasions. We do fresh cream, buttercream, eggless and vegan cakes. Check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Sugar Sprinkle Cakery or just call 07932-665-833. That's 07932-665-833. मिनहाज वेलफेयर फाउंडेशन में आपका अतिया जिंदगी की उम्मीद आपकी मदद से मुमकिन हुआ दुनिया भर में 30 लाख से ज्यादा खवातीन बुजुर्गों और बच्चों तक साफ पानी की फ्राहमी मुतासरा इलाकों में हंगामी इमदाद यतीम और बेसारा बच्चों की दादरसी इस साल हम आपके तावन से और आगे बढ़ना चाहते हैं अपनी जकात सदका तो खैरात के जरिए इन मंसूबों का हिस्सा बनिए अभी कॉल कीजिए जीरो थ्री हंड्रेड थ्री जीरो थ्री जीरो ट्रिपल सेवन या हमारी वेबसाइट विजिट करें डब्ल्यू 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 डॉट मिनहाज वेलफेयर डॉट ओग Hey at Duncan Lewis Solicitors, we specialize in immigration and family law. We have a proven track record of successful applicants who we've helped secure permanent residency for. From spouse visas to seeking asylum, our expert advisors will assist you throughout the whole application process. We offer a free no obligation consultation, so call us now on 0208-432-3350. That's 0208-432-3350 or visit us at 298 Romford Road, London E79HD. Nika Talaq, counseling on matrimonial disputes, Islamic wills, Islamic law of inheritance, or an Islamic verdict on any other issue. The Muslim Sharia Council is at your service. We provide official certification, and our experienced and highly qualified imams are available to provide you with guidance when needed. MQI London is based at 292 to 296 Romford Road, Forest Gate. We are open from Monday to Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Or alternatively, call us now on 0208-257-1786. Turkish Kitchen, the best Turkish food you'll ever taste. We only use the highest quality meat. Along with our mixed grill platters, we serve cold mezes, hot mezes, lamagin, and a wide selection of fish options. To order for delivery or collection, call us now on 0208-507-8822. That's 0208-507-8822. Or visit us at 41 Ripple Road, Barking, ID 11 7NT. We can also take group bookings and take care of all your party needs. The Turkish Kitchen, Barking. Hello, I'm Ria from the Windrush Health Team. If you came to the UK before the end of 1988 and are struggling to prove your legal status, I could help. You may also be entitled to compensation. I'm here to answer your questions and talk you through the application process. Anything you tell us will be treated sensitively and won't be passed on to immigration enforcement. Visit gov.uk forward slash Windrush Help Team. The Windrush Help Team. Here to support you and your family. As winter approaches, here's a critical reminder of coronavirus symptoms from Dr. Gupta. The main symptoms of coronavirus are a high temperature or a new continuous cough, or a sudden loss or change in your sense of smell or taste. If you have any of these, to protect yourself and others, it is critical you isolate at home, even if you don't feel too bad. And you must book a test immediately. Use the NHS COVID-19 app or go to gov.uk/coronavirus. Stay alert. Control the virus. 
save lives. Revive FM 94.0 On the radio On your mobile And online Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to the Power Hour with your host, Louise Power. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship and inspirational stories. And today in the studio, I have two amazing criminal defence barristers, my cousin, Miss Lorianne Power, and I have here Emma Akawood... I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Aku Wu Decay. Well done. <laughs> Full marks, Louise. Thank you. Um, in the studio. And we've had a fantastic 20 minutes already of, this, of, of, the, of Airplay, speaking about um, their backstory. They are both from East London. And they both w- wanted to pursue acting, actually, but went in to pursue the you know, wonderful um, career profession in law. So we were speaking before the break about the kinds of things that you come across in the courtroom with young people and just how sad it is as well where people have fallen short of support from their families and you take all these different roles of mentor and social worker and you've got such a multifaceted um, kind of role really what you, that you have to do, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got to be able to identify, like Laurie-Anne said very early on, if there are mental health issues. So we engage with so many different professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists, you name it, intermediaries who are there to support vulnerable people in court to ensure that they can understand the court process. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, for the people that may be thinking about entering into the profession what do they need to be thinking about in terms of qualifications they need or um do they must they work for be part of a chambers um you know what kind of experience um is there an is it age bound these sorts of things in order to become a barrister you need to have a qualification you can do a degree um going the conventional route or you can do um, a degree of your choice. So you can do a law degree or a degree of your choice. If you choose to do a degree of your choice, you will still need to do um, the postgraduate uh, diploma in law, which is like an intensive um, degree where you learn all those subjects that you would have learned if you did a degree over the course of three years. Um, After that, you have to do the professional bar qualification, which is called the Bar Professional Training Course, which I believe is for one year. Thereafter, you've got to do pupillage. Now, Laurie-Anne does pupillage in chambers. She's in charge of pupillage. And I'll hand over to Laurie-Anne in relation to exactly what pupillage is. So it's, it's, it's the part that you effectively get to practice right. what you've been learning. So after you've done your um, academic stage of uh, your training, which is compulsory, you then move on to being a part of a chambers. Now, the process of getting pupillage itself is extremely difficult. Cool. And I'm going to give you some really depressing statistics here. As cha- And I, you know, these things have really come to the fore during the course of this year because, of course... The issue of diversity and disparity and marginalisation has really been a hot topic. But you are twice more likely to get a pupillage if you are white and present with exactly the same qualifications from exactly the same establishment. And so uh, that shows us that there is still a real serious issue at entry level. There is also problems 
in career progression and career. Can retention. I ask why yeah. that is? What? What? Well, well, what, well, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Well, it, it can only be. Those statistics yes. show you that it can only be because uh, of race. Yeah. It's it's systemic racism, which still, which the foundation of any institution really is based on in the Western world. Yeah. But it's particularly prevalent within our profession. I do want to say, though, that we are making inroads and we are doing huge Huge amount of work. Um, And it's really important for someone like me as chair of pupillage in my chambers, it's very important that people know that it's possible. Yeah. Since I've been head of pupillage in in my chambers, every single year we have had at least one person of colour, but more like two. And we only take three. And that's been purely on merit. That's been purely on merit. And so it's really important that people do recognise, while there is still this issue, work is being done, and there are chambers who... who, who are open to changing so pupillage in a sentence is it's the training part of becoming a lawyer it's you have a supervisor it's for 12 month period of time for the first six month period of time you're not allowed to go into court on your feet on your own right. you follow your supervisor around you watch him or her they test you on things like your advocacy skills your written work um you go through a whole process of education training that we set within chambers and we test our pupils continuously throughout their period once they've done that first six months we call that that's your first six your second six months you're on your feet right so we say okay guys there's your first brief you go out to Timbuktu Magistrates Court. Good luck. And you good, luck. good luck. Wow. But they all they have a supervisor at every single step of the way. After that period of... Tw- we do to 18 months. Most chambers do 18 months. Right. But after that period of 18 months of training... Do you remember your pupillage? Oh, my goodness. Very much <laughs> any, so. Any, 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 sto- any stories about when you, was, had, you had to think on your fast on your feet in the early days and you was like... Wow, this is really overwhelming. What do I do now? I remember really feeling quite sick (laughs) about the prospect of going into court by myself, um, on my feet, no supervisor. There you go. You're on your own. (laughs) And so I had worked up all this nervous energy only for the case to be adjourned. Oh, no! absolutely nothing you was like I'm going to win this case today <laughs> it didn't really happen I remember my first case. That, that feeling was yeah. oh it's awful um, I remember my first ever client I won't name him I remember him like, when he was blind oh no and he demanded in custody overnight in this court oh, oh no the days where you went into the cells with oh, them oh goodness oh, yes oh, I, do. No. I do this is your first client my first oh my goodness and, uh, talk about yeah literally yeah and and what happened well he was blind i didn't know how what to do <laughs> oh no <laughs> so the first thing i did was ran outside and phoned my supervisor and i said he's blind and then he's like power what have i taught you <laughs> Just <laughs> pull yourself up, together yeah. oh no um, but yeah they were really fun days but really stressful yeah. days mm. we forgot to mention that you've got to be a member of an inn of court oh, yes. um, right. as a barrister because they are the only institutions that can actually call, call you, to, you the to the bar mm. um the bar being a vocation it's just wow. that you are called to the bar there are four inns of court there's um gray's inn mm-hmm. middle temple lincoln's inn and inner temple 
and uh, yes, you've got to become a member. And yeah, so sorry. Yeah. Um, yes, and the reason that you become a member is they can offer you scholarships, yeah, exactly. right. education, training, yeah. qualifying sessions, and the old-fashioned dining that we had to do. Yeah, it's like an old boys' network. I was still. going to ask you. So you still have to have these dinners. Twelve of them. I was going to ask you. Was it like? Is it like an old boys' network? Yeah. Because that's oh, yeah. something historic. Yeah. Yeah. Being oh, yes. you, that you have to be yeah. kind of signed up to these. It's still very much like that. The inns are doing a lot more for diversity and inclusion. They have programs. And I have to say, had it not been for my inn, Middle Temple, I wouldn't be a barrister because I got to the end of my degree and I got pupillage. But back then, pupillage wasn't funded and I had no money left. I'd been working. Obviously, I was a single parent. But my inn, I got a scholarship from my inn and they gave me back then £15,000 and then I got a scholarship to pay for my wig and my gown and then they funded me right through to tenancy so had it not been for me going Going to to my inn and explaining to them you know it it was yes the interview process is quite difficult but what they really want to see is that this is what you're you're passionate about. about that's what you want to do so for people I think Emma raises a really important point about the inns because a lot of people will be listening to this thinking okay it's great in theory you want to be a barrister but how much money does Does it cost cost. to get to be a barrister there is money available the inns collectively have close to five million pounds in scholarships that they give away every single year you're hearing this guys yeah and and many of us are on the panels that give out the scholarships and so and it's it, it's there's no magic to it but you've got to be in it to get it you've got to be in it to win it <laughs> so <laughs> so if you want do not be discouraged do not be discouraged do not be discouraged although there is you know these achilles hills in terms of um structural racism and and yes it does cost a lot of money i think that um lauren and emma have been really proactive in explaining actually it is getting better yeah. and the doors are open and there are fantastic chambers like 25 bedford road that are doing awesome work to you know increase that diversity and i'm going to go on a little bit to a little bit more of the sensitive side of the structural racism um, and just ask how does structural racism affect black people in the bar and how have you been able to overcome those obstacles yourself i know it's a bit of a big one so how does structural racism affect it exists right we can't pretend it doesn't exist it's still a very elite closed profession many of us did not um, get here through nepotism or because our father was a judge or uh, uh, somebody on the bench we've got here through hard work and graft for me um, I had mentors Um, I had a black woman mentor who is still my friend to this very day and um, she encouraged me to always be one step ahead So before I came to the bar, I worked for a firm of solicitors and working for that firm of solicitors, that gave me the foot in the door because I was the only person um, in my family to embark on a career in law. So I knew absolutely nobody. Um, Many pupillages, they are like work experience before you actually do the pupillage. So you get your foot in the door. People get to know you. They know your face. That's the way we've overcome it. We've formed our own support system within Chambers. I set up a group within Chambers called Sisters in Law, and we are a very diverse set of Chambers. There's still more work to do. The landscape has got to really change, but we are our own support mechanism. 
we network we make sure that we're okay we return work to each other and that's how we are overcoming it and making sure that equality and diversity is not just lip service it's actually put into action Lorianne being chair of pupillage that's recruitment yes you can't underestimate the power of that yeah no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) got the power (laughs) sisters in law it's wow it's just so big it just blows my mind and I see that global when I think of that name I don't just think of 25 bedford row I think of the world i think of all of the black female lawyers mm. across the globe all of the people that you are inspiring and the next generation the people that are coming up now that are wanting to are listening to the show or they're really aspiring to law and then those of that had gone before you and i think it's big yeah Absolutely. it's weird don't estimate underestimate well, that because well, i think it's key, massive well that's the key to because i remember sitting in the school down the road yeah which i spent a lot of very miserable years in thinking i was nothing and I remember having this one thought in my head that I was going to be a lawyer, a barrister, but it was so big, I couldn't fathom it really, but yeah. I kept it going. And so you've got to just actually realise that it's all achievable. It's all to, The profession we are in today is a very different profession than when we started. Yeah, and absolutely. I hope that by the time, you know, those people who are coming up behind us into the profession, we're going to leave behind a very different profession. We I do agree. need to change a bit quicker, but Emma hit on a really important point. It's camaraderie, mentorship, sisterhood, brother. We've got to not necessarily stick together to the exclusion of everyone else, but recognise that yeah. we are our own greatest support systems. And also call it out. Sister- yeah. Systemic racism exists within the profession, within all professions, but what we have to do is don't allow people to be comfortable within their privilege. Make their privilege feel uncomfortable to them. Also, a lot of people who benefit from the system that we operate within don't actually really appreciate the disadvantage that their privilege causes, not just people like me, because of course I'm already a barrister, so I can't be disadvantaged, but people outside looking in because representation is absolutely Absolutely. everything it's so important and it's important to be an ally as well for those people that are actually saying you know by default i have the privilege but actually i don't agree with this yeah and there are some really good people that do come up and say yeah you know listen well the thing we say that's right in in, in the training so we're on lots of different committees but um, i'm proud of a very a few of them but i'm most proud of the committee that i'm on which is actually saying hold on a minute let's stop asking black people and minority ethnic and asian people about discrimination let's have this conversation amongst ourselves yes and find out what we need to do because we don't create the disparity that's right we're victims of it that's right so we're not the problem so now i think i think that there's a lot of education a lot of training going on across the globe but i think we're benefiting from that now it's not going to change overnight but certainly i think we're 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 going we're going in the right direction we're going in the right direction and and there is equality and diversity training happening within the legal profession even at the bench level they are having to go through this training i think that we're living in a very diverse and very colorful world and actually it's imperative um there's no choice about it Mm. that it just really does need to happen we're going to go into another short commercial break thank you thank you thank you everybody that is listening please don't touch that dial we'll be right back 
This is Aisha. Her father died in an accident at a very young age. She lives with her mother and siblings. There are millions like Aisha who do not have access to the very basics of life, resulting in her and many others not being able to attend school. Through Minhaj Welfare Foundation, your charity is dedicated towards supporting the full needs of orphans and needy children around the world. Donate today. Call us now. 0300-3030-777 or visit us on minhajwelfare.org. Amigos, the signature name when it comes to burgers and shakes. Our succulent burgers are prepared in front of you while you wait. Whether you go for our 6-ounce Mexican or our 10-ounce Texan, or you decide to go for our messy fries or our buffalo wings, one thing you're guaranteed is quality. Dine in with your friends and family at 400 Cranbrook Road, Gants Hill, or order in on Uber Eats, Just Eat or Deliveroo. Amigos, hats off to great burgers. The local COVID alert level across London is now high. To help stop the spread of coronavirus, do not meet people socially anywhere indoors. Only meet people outdoors in groups of up to six. You must work from home if possible and reduce the number of journeys you make. Find all the local restrictions and laws at gov.uk forward slash coronavirus. Stay alert. Control the virus. Save lives. We're facing the biggest health challenge of our generation and we've shown that together we're stronger than ever. But to keep making a difference, we need to support each other. If you're a man and you've had coronavirus recently, then you might just have the antibodies to help save lives in your blood plasma. That's why we urgently need men to donate. Giving blood plasma is safe and easy. Be the difference. Search Donate Plasma or call 0300-123-2323 today. The new NHS COVID-19 app immediately shows me the risk of coronavirus in my area, so I can warn Mel. It lets me quickly check into venues with a QR scanner so I can protect Alid. It tells me fast if I've been in contact with other app users who have coronavirus, so I can alert Emma. It helps me protect all my loved ones, even Andy Sue. The more of us who get the app, the better we can control coronavirus. Protect your loved ones. Get the NHS COVID-19 app. Download now at Google Play or the App Store. Hi, I'm Ian from the Windrush Help Team. If you came to the UK before the end of 1988 and are struggling to prove your legal status, I could help. You may also be entitled to compensation. I'm here to answer your questions and talk you through our application process. Anything you tell us will be treated sensitively and won't be passed on to immigration enforcement. Visit gov.uk forward slash Windrush Help Team. The Windrush Help Team, here to support you and your family. Kebabish Original, one of the biggest names in the restaurant trade. Visit your local KO to experience the thrill of the grill and the most authentic Pakistani cuisine. From our kebabs to our curries and from our mixed platters to our peri-peri, our chefs prepare your food in front of you while you wait. KO is now offering franchise opportunities. To take advantage of our proven and successful business model, contact us on 0208 446 7779 or visit kebabishoriginal.co.uk. Revive FM 94.0 On the radio On your mobile And online Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Power Hour with myself, Louise Power, and my guests, Lorianne and Emma. Welcome back, ladies. Hello. Hi. This has been such an interesting show. When when I went on the break, I was like, oh my gosh, I love it! <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like, the 
these kind of shows make me feel emotional because this is what it's all about. Not just because, you know, you're my family and extended family and, and sisters in sisters, but just because this is the reason why I started the Power Hour because I wanted to inspire people. I wanted real stories. I wanted to be able to reach the community, the people that really need the information and also put excellent wonderful women like yourselves on a platform to be celebrated because you should be celebrated thank you that's nice (laughs) (laughs) and i wanted to um actually speak to you just very briefly um about you emma you mentioned about your mentors um but if you could just just both of you just sum up a little bit about your mentors that would be really good because i think that's quite inspiring as well well my mentor was a barrister and ironically she was in the same set of chambers that I'm in now but we were like passing ships because she left um, a few years before me she's gone on to teach law Um, she gave me so much guidance she gave me encouragement even down to things like my CV even the interview she gave me advice about not putting my eggs all in one basket And she told me about paddling your own canoe, um, making connections with people. Um, She taught me about going into court, go and sit in a magistrate's court, go and sit in a crown court, go and see if this is for you. Wow. Um, She's been formidable. Glenda Fontaine. Can I mention her? Absolutely. Glenda Fontaine. Fontaine. (laughs) Your name is in lights. Thank you, Glenda Fontaine. And and what about you, Law? Mine was a bit strange because... There weren't that many people close to me when I first entered. It was very lonely. Mm -hmm. And so my mentor was someone who started pupillage on the same day as me. And we've spent the past 21 years mentoring each other. I think there's probably very few days that goes by where we don't speak to each other. He's like a brother. He's one of my best friends, Gary Green. (laughs) (laughs) And Gary Green. I have had mentors, yes. like people to look up to, people like Emma, people yes. like Helen, who I'd heard stories about. And then once I engage with them, I would call Emma and I'd say, can I run something by yeah. you? If I feel like cursing and swearing and ripping someone's head off, I'll call Helen <laughs> and she will say, now breathe. <laughs> take a moment I suggest you don't send that email until the morning sleep on it you have committed no crime it will all be okay she, she sounds like she sounds like she sounds like my friend she does like my friend Lisa the, cl- the clarity yeah, everybody yeah. everybody needs yeah a clarity so calm, Every, so calm. so there's a there's a mixed bag and there's there's a, a, I must mention our friend our, our sister our yeah. true sister who is the first one of our number to become Queen's Counsel. Her name is Melanie Simpson. And Melanie and I have done many cases together over the years. And she's the person I, I, I go to when I want advice on something really difficult but that needs someone who's going to take a risk. Right. Because Mel is a risk taker. Yeah. She just, she is fearless. And you know when you need somebody just to... She sounds like, she sounds, she, sounds, she sounds like a power. She, well, she, well, she, well, yeah. well yeah. you know Mel. Mel, well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. she's that, she's a risk taker. Yeah. She is meticulous in her examination of the facts and the law yeah but she's the advocate that will go just a bit over and above right a bit beyond and so i'll advise her when i want a bit of measure reason balance i come to emma uh-huh. and then i've got helen who yeah. is just the chi and then you know then i've got gary in between yeah. yeah so mentorship yes it's someone to look up to but it's also about using those yeah. people in your circle on yes. a daily basis so for those people thinking of coming into the profession 
find someone now if you're at school college or if you think that your child might want to come into the profession go on to, go online there are organizations so many organizations women in criminal law there are different there are um urban synergy there's the uh we'll give a list I'll give a list yeah. maybe you can put and, it up and, and, and um, social mobility business partnership yeah um, urban who, lawyers is yeah, the one yeah who yeah. I'm involved with yeah. they do some excellent work yeah. um, headed up by a gentleman called uh, Barry Matthews yeah. and they Bridget. take young people to, to yeah. um, you know different um, law firms yeah. for experience as well Bridging the Bar is another one which bridges the the, the gap between yeah. the communities and the bar yeah there are so many there are so, there ma- are so many now and, and can I ask about um you was go- we were speaking um before the show about the first black female barrister yeah. i actually learned something from you because yeah. you've done something on youtube I recently did, yeah. and i would really love it if you could just share just a little bit about that i will it's the background to is it is that over the course of this lockdown period i've had to find something to do to be honest so <laughs> um i started to to research and look into the the diaspora's contribution to the the profession as we know it and it threw up the most amazing of gems and pieces of information that we just would never know about and the one that impressed me the most was a lady called Stella Jane Thomas right. she was born in 1906 um, she was Nigerian Yoruba but wow. with Sierra Leonean descent her father awesome. was the first African head of the Ch- Nigerian uh, Chamber of Commerce and she was the first ever black female barrister to be called to the bar in this country. I didn't know that. Wow, I'm Nigerian. The first ever... I didn't know it. ...female black stipendary magistrate in Nigeria and celebrated across the world for her what they call emancipation of women lawyers and women across... Powerful. She came here, she studied at Oxford back in the 1920s she was called to the bar in 1929 by Middle Temple, my inn, which was also the first inn to allow women to be called to the bar. And once she was called to the bar, she went back to Sierra Leone, was called to the Sierra Leonean bar, then she went to Nigeria and set up her own law practice and married a fellow Nigerian and, you know, the rest is history. She died very sadly four years after retiring in about 1968, I think. Um, and just a remarkable woman who took on heads of state ferociously um, telling one of the heads of states we don't need you to come to Africa to educate us about how to run our own country give us back our resources and allow us to do it ourselves and that was in 1930s so that goes to show you the caliber of women those are the types of women that we need people to realize and recognize and know about and know about this is the history that should be taught in schools yeah i i'd never heard of her yeah until today i'd really never heard of her for sharing thank you there are so many more i mean we're gonna gonna, we have things in the pipeline that we're we're doing yeah really exciting work really exciting work and and I, and I think actually that although it's Black History Month, like you know we had recently Loose Women, we yeah. had four Black women on Loose Women. That mm. just just been mm. awesome. Been spe- speaking about it on LinkedIn yeah, and um, yeah. amongst friendship groups. But I think there's something about saying this. We, it's not just for Black History Month. It's a bit tacky. No, it's tacky. Mm. It should be for yeah. the whole year and beyond. Yeah. 
the, you know, well, it shouldn't be the history, history shouldn't, shouldn't be confined to one month. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we do it because it's the month of the year where people listen. And so it would be a miss to miss the opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, we need to use the month to make people know that this is here to stay. And so, yeah, I think, you know, look, we have it, it's here. We didn't create it. We didn't necessarily want it. No other race of people or no other ethnic group has it. Yeah. But insofar as it's there, let's use it to shine, shine a light, light on Absolutely. what we want to be doing for 12 yeah. months of the year. And we want all of the leaders and the CEOs and the, and the brand names and the corporates and the broadcasters to know that this is something that everybody wants to see on a permanent basis. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see it until it's not a thing. Absolutely. Until yeah. we're no longer talking about Absolutely. it. Until yeah. Because it shouldn't be about black history. It's our history. history. Yeah. yeah, it's our history. And ju- just as much as it is, you know, we learn about the other kinds of history in yeah. schools and, and such like. So the, we've got a couple of minutes mm-hmm. um, and then the show's going to come to an end. So I just wanted to say... Thank you, thank you, thank you for today. Thank you for having us. (laughs) And um, just, yeah, what does the future hold? What does the future look like? I mean, we've had a bit of a crazy year um, with, you know, George Floyd and the sudden um, murder. Um, I don't say death because it was a murder um, of George Floyd. And then, you know, the global uprising of Black Lives Matter out of that and then we've had coronavirus as well and it's there's just so much going on i just sometimes we just don't know what it's going to be like when we get up in the morning do we um you know how how do you how do you feel about the climate it's been a very emotionally charged year um the death of george floyd the murder as you rightly say has um really shone a light globally on the importance of black life. It does matter. And if the death of George Floyd has meant that there has been awakening in people's consciousness about us as black people and that we exist and we have a right to be here and to have exactly the same privileges as every other race, then something positive has come out of this year. I think the lockdown has been a mixed blessing. It's forced us all to pause, to reevaluate, yeah. to look at what really matters, family, health. And it's forced us into looking at working differently, um, learning and acquiring new skills. Um, I've learned about Zoom and Teams. <laughs> I'm not very technical, but I've learned about you, you it. You know how to use it now. I know how to use it now. Now to do a webinar. Um, and so, yeah, for many reasons, it's it's been positive. I'm quite optimistic about the future. I think our voice is now being heard more than ever. And I think we should use it to our advantage. I think the future is potentially positive. I think the landscape is going to change. It has to change. And yourself, Lord? I agree. I think we must keep pushing. We can't, we can never afford to become complacent. We can't think that just because people are speaking about this now, that A, they ever genuinely really care about change yeah. or that they actually want change. And so we have to continue to make people feel uncomfortable. Yes. Every single day until they no longer feel uncomfortable. And so I think, yes, positivity, I think, is what we need with a degree of realism about mm-hmm. what we're facing. It's a, it's a real uphill battle, but we need to be united in it. We cannot afford for there to be division amongst us as communities. This is the time for us to draw on each other. Whatever your tone, whatever you, whether you come from 
from the continent, whether you come from an island, whether you come from this religious group or that, it's time for Trust us to draw together and, and unite. use our resources. Where can unite. people contact you both? Where are you contactable? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, mm, yeah. 25 Bedford Row. Our emails should be up there. Yeah. We are accessible. We are, yeah. I mean, if you want to email, if you can't go into our individual ones, just Clarks, yeah. C-L-E-R-K-S at 25bedfordroad.com or our names, E-Aquadike, L-Power at 25bedfordroad.com. If your child is thinking about a career in law and you want a bit of feedback, feel free to oh, email us. absolutely. They can contact us. They can email us, us direct. Yeah, is some work experience, yes. contact us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It, hasn't this just been an amazing, amazing show? I feel so blessed. Thank you, thank you, both of you. Thank you, thank you for having us. <laughs> You're an inspiration to. Oh, to thank you. you are truly an inspiration as well, Louise, because without people like you in our communities willing to provide a platform for people like us to share our journeys with, then none of it matters. Oh. So you, you are actually the true champion of Absolutely. all of this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, <laughs> Wow, well, I'm overwhelmed. You have been locked into the Power Hour with myself, Louise Power, Lorianne Power, and Emma Awudike. Take care. We'll be back again next week at the same time. This has been just awesome, guys. I just loved every minute of it. See you again next week, same time, same place.